Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. Joe Biden is president now. <laughs> so that is a plus, I think. I'm going to put that in the wins category. Everything else is up in the air. <laughs> I feel like I've got a lot of exhaustion leaving my body. Like it's like I've, my teeth have been clenched for four years. Like they're also clenched for the pandemic. So they're not unclenched, but it's just like a tiny bit less clenching. If you're new to the show, that's Luke, my co-host. Yes, I'm Luke. Also, I need to, uh, I need to potentially apologize for the fact that it's incredibly windy in the UK right now. Uh, so if you like hear wind in the background, it is because the attic room that I'm sitting in is going to be blown down soon. Oh, is, is it because you're podcasting from a Victorian manor house that's haunted? And so it's just like a bunch of like old ghost noises behind you? Yes, my, my house is old in your country. What's your point? So welcome to the show. We are hopefully concluding a little mini series we've been doing around <laughs> the coup and the inauguration. Yeah, it and started in uh, November 2016. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, this has actually all been a complicated augmented reality project. Uh, that's right. Thank you for being part of our experiment. I, I'm having trouble. I, I actually today like sat down and I was like, what was life like before January 20th, 2017? And it was extremely hard to remember. Like, I could remember what I was doing, but I couldn't remember how I felt when I was doing those things, if that makes sense. Do you remember Richard Spencer getting punched on the 21st of January? I was in Japan when that happened. Watching the American inauguration from Japan was the craziest feeling because, like, I mean, the way that I always describe it was it felt like I was an astronaut watching nuclear explosions from the moon. Yeah, that sounds... That sounds about right also like watching japanese news cover trump becoming president was like <laughs> something out of blade runner like it was an it was an insane science fiction nightmare because i remember that i said the 21st then, but it was actually the 20th cause it was on the same day but he got punched on that day because there was um anti-fascists around and i went back and i was like i want to watch those videos again uh all the remixes and they've all gone the only one i could find was the uh born in the usa one. Oh, really? and it was just this yeah and it was just this weird moment of like having Kind of like, I remember what I was doing on that day. Like, I remember this being like a part of my day watching him get punched like a lot. Right. Uh, and that's all gone it's into dust. It feels like a different time. I mean, Richard Spencer feels like this wave that is so divorced from the current moment. Like, Milo, Richard Spencer, like the meme magic, the weird, like, like avant garde art association with fascism, like the, the weird occultism stuff, like all of that just feels so dumb i mean it felt dumb at the time but now it feels like impossible to exist yeah it feels yeah there are so many people now who i'm just like i cannot believe that you were a thing for a period okay do you want to hear something crazy about that, that i realized today that i've not been able to stop thinking about and this is not a fun internet thing this is a genuine politics thing which is that uh paul ryan was still an active politician two years ago what was he doing? Was he Speaker of he the House? He was Speaker of the House. Wow. But that, to me, feels like it was a century ago. That feels so long ago that he was a relevant person. Yeah, it feels sort of like we're in post-history. I mean, it uh, it feels like there's just, like, no... It. I don't... I, I. Okay, 
First, let's set up the episode. This is the third part of our Content Hell miniseries. It started with the insurrection, and then we decided that we really shouldn't try to get away from what's going on because there's no point, so we're just going to roll with it. This is hopefully the end of that. I really want to do other stuff outside of Trump and fascism and the alt-right and QAnon next week. I desperately need to talk about and think about other shit. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. I have had a very strange morning trying to process the way I feel, and uh, I apologize for anyone who reads Garbage Day because I feel like this, like today's issue is just like rambling nonsense because I don't know how to process the fact that this period of history is over. I, I don't, I don't even know if I can explain it correctly now. But I feel strange. I feel panicky and weird. I feel incredibly strange. Um, I mean, part of the thing that I've been doing over the past year during the pandemic is I've been reading biographies of american presidents <laughs> like, uh, read... fans of the show know that you're a big uh lyndon b johnson stan i am but i'm going through all of them now i'm on uh harry truman at the moment reads really okay. interesting stuff by harry truman but like it, it's kind of the thing because i'm trying to get my head straight in terms of like thinking about how to think about american history if, if you don't know my, my my degree is in american history so i have like I have a reason for being interested in this. That's not just being a, a weird politics nerd. It's being a weird politics nerd with a degree about weird politics. I see. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's totally makes it different. Better. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. Um. And I kind of agree because it's it simultaneously feels like it feels like an odd way to partition history because history is not partitioned by elections. Like elections are things that happened on the crest of the wave or the fall of a wave or somewhere in between as like you're just moving up in a way. And you can kind of go back along this and look at other uh, elections and see this. Like if you look in the UK and we've had what three elections in six years now, you can see that, you know, people just got it slightly wrong at the wrong moment. And the reality is the election doesn't matter nearly so much as the undercurrents of things that are happening. So looking at this means that you kind of go, it feels like the last three months should be a major change. But you're mm. also looking at it being like, hang on, have people actually changed their opinions? Are people doing a different thing? Are people in a different place? Because the real change to all of this is the pandemic. Right. I mean, the other thing that I've been grappling with is like, I desperately want the world to be better than it has been for the last four years. But if it does suddenly become better, just because a new man is in charge, I will literally become the Joker because it just means that everyone has chosen to be god awful maniacs for the last four years. Well, also, to be fair, uh, one other thing has happened in the last few hours, which has made it better. What's that? Uh, Macklemore has released a freestyle. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so tomorrow I'm recording an episode on 10,000 posts with a two time guest on the Content Minds podcaster, Hussein Kazvani. And literally <laughs> a minute before you and I started recording this episode, he was like, wait, can we change our topic? I want to talk about the Macklemore freestyle. I have because, not. Because he saw my tweet it about it. He just retweeted my tweet about it like five minutes ago. Okay. I have. So, do you want to. Should, should we scoop Hussein? Do you want me to record my live reaction to it right now? Okay, hold yeah, on. Yeah, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Macklemore. He nicked my fucking tweet, man. Trump. Well, nicked. He, he quote tweeted me as allowed. Okay. So, this is. Uh, okay. So, first of all, I did not know this. Um, and this is incredible. Macklemore's. <laughs> Macklemore's YouTube channel is called Macklemore LLC. That's good. That's very. Yeah. I really hope there's a limited liability corp- like corporation name like that Macklemore runs for himself. No, it actually stands for Ladies Love Cool Coolmore. Ladies Love Cool Mackles. Yes. Uh, okay, I'm ready to mackle. Uh, Trump era is over. Let's mackle. All right, it's two and a half minutes. 
This is titled Trump's Over Freestyle. Uh, all right, here we go. Oh, he has a mustache. Yeah, he has a mustache. His hat says Irish. Yes. Like okay. Biden. Biden wore the same hat at the inauguration. Okay. This is... The beat is insane. I don't understand the horns. I don't know why there are horns in it. The whole thing... Sounds... Okay, hold on. I'm just trying to process this. He's talking about recycling and toothpaste. I mean, I agree that you two are the problem. I totally agree that you two are the problem. Wow. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay, okay. So, so the best way I would describe the sound of this song is... Uh, I was at I was at a Brazilian beach town recently, and every once in a while there are like gringos at like the various like outdoor drinking areas, and like this has extreme white guy living in Central or South America for too long energy. Like his from, whole from look, Boston, who's Irish and yes. wears you're you're wearing a vest right now. I can see this. Yeah, like he he even kind of looks. Like Malcolm, so okay. I'm a bit. I'm a big Macklemore Instagram stalker. Like I, I think his Instagram is absolutely out of control. And from what I know on his Instagram, is he's been spending a lot of the pandemic on various boats. He looks like he's tan, but he's also like like me right now, like that kind of like secretly sunburned under your tan thing that he like. This is all just too much. This you're saying you're Irish, is what you're saying. Yeah, like it's just too much. Um, yeah, I hate this, uh, but also I'm happy that it exists because it it does signal like the era has changed. We're in a different place now. Macklemore's back. Yeah, that's that's the the main thing, and uh, you know, I, I it is kind of it is kind of crazy to think that there was an era like the idea that Downtown is from 2015. That was is, the last good. That was the last pop song I was genuinely excited about. Other, well, actually, Lady Gaga's new singles are pretty good. But like Downtown, that I loved that song. Yeah, exactly. And I think, but the fact that that was before the Trump era, and the Trump era, he's gone into hibernation, and now Trump's gone and he's back, is mm. is symbolic of how American culture will radically and quickly become significantly worse than it already is. Yes, that is absolutely happening. Um, I have been collecting extremely, extremely bad, uh, like liberal tweets all day, uh, because I, I'm just obsessed with them. And like the the amount of Lin Manuel Miranda on my timeline right now is completely unacceptable. Like, yeah, it's it's like we're just pretending that we didn't learn a very valuable lesson from the Obama era, which is like don't like. Don't do this. We don't, have, we don't have to do Parks and Rec again. We don't have to be in this moment again. We can well, move on. Well, we just elected the first ever actor from Parks of Rec president. That's true. We are now currently in the Parks and Rec universe. Uh, we are inside of it. Which, which um, to be fair, also means we're in, in the Infinite Jest universe. I also think Parks and Rec is part of the Tommy Westphal universe, which is like the giant meta theory that we all sure. exist in the snow globe being held by an autistic boy. Um yeah. And the De- and the Decemberists are here, which explains the sea, sh- sea shanties. Oh man, everything's just out of control. Did you see that Death Cab for Cutie released a cover of Neutral Milk Hotel's "King of Carrot Flowers" the other day? 
Like that is a uh, that is a painfully 2010 cent- sentence. Yeah, it's like the Obama era has been like completely rejiggered and is now just like sputtering out random connections with itself. It's yep. bizarre. It's completely bizarre. Um, but I want to get back before you distract me with Macklemore. You uh, you brought up a really interesting point, and I wanted to I, wa- I wanted to come back to that. You said that, um, you know, history doesn't really fall in line with presidents the way that, like, you would expect them to and eras kind of, they don't fit into that mold. But it reminded me of something I actually read literally today. Um, a former colleague of ours, Scott Lamb, who now works at Medium, a uh, post that he wrote that I will link to in our show notes. It's really interesting because, so so here here's what he writes. More than other mediums, the development of the internet matches the different cycles of American presidencies. This is mostly an accident of history. And you might quibble about the dates a bit, but in broad strokes, we have the four main eras of the web so far. Uh, web 1.0, Clinton era. Web 2.0, Bush era. Social and mobile web, Obama era, misinformation, and the gig economy, Trump era. But I I do think that's kind of about right, which is that every time so far of all of the internet presidents we've had, the internet has shifted with the president. Right. See, I think that's true, but I always think with these things uh, that we get the era slightly wrong in that the first social media president was not Obama. Yes, he was the first president to use Twitter. That's not the same thing as being the first social media president. Like, if you you think about how presidents communicate, fundamentally, Obama's communication style did not change significantly from um, the first TV president, probably Reagan. Like, Reagan was a true TV president in that, you know, that's how he communicated with people. It was mass communication. Everyone got the same communication. And looking good on TV did it. Uh, and then the, the previous iteration of that was uh, um, probably JFK. FDR. No, I was going to uh, say FDR, yeah. actually. Like, JFK was also a TV president, but that was the fact that it switched in that one debate where Nixon had a sweaty lip and yeah. JFK had tanned by the pool is like not really that they are... It's not really a TV era. It is the first hint of, at some point, this is going to be important. And the same goes. Like The first president to broadcast on radio was, I think... Uh, I think Grover Cleveland. No, no, I'm Grover Cleveland. It must have been Woodrow Wilson, I think. Uh, uh, I think Woodrow Wilson, the first president to broadcast the radio. I haven't read that bit of the history biographies yet. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But the point is that FDR became the radio president because electrification hit a point and radio hit a point that you could actually broadcast the nation. So it became his primary way of communicating and he was... That's how he think. He sat down by the fire, he did his fireside chats and brought the country along with him through the radio. And Reagan was probably the first TV president that did that. Well, I think, Obama, I think you're no. I think you're actually saying something really interesting here um, that kind of like sets up an interesting framework for us, which is that when a technology comes along, a president will use it. But yeah. that doesn't mean that that president is defined by it. It typically has to hit a saturation point for a president to then define themselves by it. So TV appears not a lot of people have it, but enough people have it. The JFK, this like very young, charismatic president, he's like remembered very, very well for his, you know, TV appearances. And I mean, we saw him die on TV. Like that's that's like yeah. an, an incredible thing there technologically. And then, uh, you know, twenty years later, the, the technology has spread far enough that we then have a president that exists 
almost solely within the context of TV to the point where he is literally a TV actor. Yeah, if I you've think... ever seen the final speech of Reagan's final speech where he talks about the shining city on the hill is like a, a perfect encapsulation of this form that he absolutely nailed, which is right. him talking about this like big concept and saying it in these sullen solemn tones that are somehow inspirational like you know he was a good speaker and he was good at tv but i think that can also be applied to the obama trump dynamic with social media which is that obama is probably the first president i think yeah i think it is safe to say that obama was the first president to use social media to like transmit and to and to 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 lead he was yeah. he was sort of a master of it. But all of all of Obama's key moments are on TV. That is true. In the same way that Grover Cleveland, whoever, you know, was probably doing stuff in a different medium, but radio was like the way he was experimenting, setting the stage for Trump, who, like Reagan, being literally birthed from TV, Trump is a is a true creature of Twitter. Like he is a TV host, sure, but as we've seen in the last week with when he no longer has Twitter, his power vanishes because he is he, he cannot make sense without Twitter. In fact, it is a very strange thing to to see him now only on TV and not have the Twitter feed going. In fact, his 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 magic is gone. Um, I I don't want to call it that, but like it's boring. He's boring as shit and weird. Like, do you see the YMCA thing? Like, what is that? Why did he do that? Yeah, exactly. It was mad and it makes no sense, but it kind of does make sense on social media. Yeah, I mean, it, or it would be completely insane, but we would forget about it in five minutes because he would go tweet something completely obnoxious on Twitter and everyone would keep moving. But he can't he can't keep moving the thread along anymore. So, it, like, the machinery of the Trump ethos or whatever is breaking down, I think, without it. Yeah, and similarly, there was, you know, Biden is not a social media president, president but he had his moments during the campaign where he kind of did do it. Um, so there was there was one very good moment where, where trump had a, a, a promo video saying uh it was something it was it's a clip from one of his rallies where he he said uh if biden wins you'll never see me again um and biden just quote tweeted with i endorse this message um yeah. but that is kind of the late stage social media thing where it is polished like biden has never sent that tweet he did not know that tweet was being sent that tweet just got sent it was it was signed off in a on an email thread or probably a slack room actually it was probably a slack room that they use slack it's a slack room yeah it's a slack room um and it's that idea that you know they will try and be formalized and then they will become a a a visual language you use on tv or sorry a a language you use on social media that you don't understand like it it turns out that in fact the first radio person to use the radio was either calvin coolidge or warren g harding it's not actually clear which uh there's some debate over it oh did you just google that i did just google it Okay, but equally, Harry Truman was the first person to use TV. But you know, it's that thing. If you go back and look at his videos, and there's people kind of like looking weirdly at the TV and trying to talk and look natural, and they don't look natural; they look super strange. Right. Which is I mean, if what, we, which is what looking back at Trump's thing will look like now. Uh, but if we because, go back, if we go back to the framework though of like Clinton and portals, and then Bush and blogs. And Obama as social and mobile, and then Trump as like information overload. I guess like the, my question, and I, I want to. So, so are we calling? Are we calling the Drudge Report a portal? Because that think, is the that is the most significant bit of the Clinton era. 
Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, the Drudge Report is a portal. I mean, it is, it is, it is okay. the definite. I mean, the AOL homepage and the Drudge Report operate the exact same way. You know, yeah, fair. they're also read by old people. Um, <laughs> I, I, but I, I guess my question, what I would love to hear, like your thoughts on, is like, what do you think? Like, how do you think the internet's going to shift under Biden now? So I think that social media is probably at the peak of its powers. Um, I think that we are on a regulation path. Um, I think the EU is probably a bit early on it and it's probably done it in a weird and bad way. But the well, you don't have to worry go- about that one anymore, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you haven't read the trade deal because trust me, we do. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's not great. Um, but the, 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 my point was social media will never be as powerful as it was in the last four years. Like this was it. This was the peak of its power. Like the reality is, if you got Josh Hawley or Marjorie Taylor Greene, actually, who's already been banned, come to think of it, or some yeah. other person who is trying to like basically ram raid the Republican primary through controlling it from outside, uh, using social media, I think that would not go well, and I think those things would be limited, and I don't think platforms can make that mistake again. Like the big problem that they, the big mistake that they made was that they stuck unable to regulate it because the person they were trying to regulate was too far powerful by the time they came to regulate it and i think they'd be more willing to clamp down earlier yeah i also think that you know we talked a few months ago about the idea of did hamilton's algorithm or zuckerberg's algorithm win and ultimately hamilton's algorithm has won like partly because you know zuckerberg's we are Sorry. recording this on Wednesday. <laughs> it is 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There's still time. There's still time. There's, I mean, I've seen a bunch of people publish stuff being like, we had a peaceful transition of power. And it's like, okay, like. So far. <laughs> so far. Like, yeah. But yeah. It's the same as all the people saying uh, Trump has left the White House for the last time. And it's like, let's say he... of his first term. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but yes, I think as right. of right now. Hamilton has beaten Zuckerberg. Although Zuckerberg yeah. got his algorithm got really close to dismantling American democracy. Yeah, and the fact that he basically, you know, neutered the guns at the last moment was the reason that it, it didn't do it. Like we've got to be we gotta be pretty real about this. In other countries it has done it. It's America that hasn't done it, and that's good because America has the most nuclear weapons. But <laughs> I I think that is one one of the more maddening aspects of the insurrection two weeks ago, which is that you know, there were lots of like abstract conversations around Facebook inciting a genocide or Facebook creating riots or whatever it is in, in other countries. And I, th- I think Americans are really, really bad at envisioning how other people who don't speak English communicate and operate. And like there is there should be no illusion now what it looks like when Facebook when the Facebook machine is turned to full blast like that. Like that's what it looks like. No, it's not. It's not what it looks like. That's my point. It, what it looks like, it's, it looks like what happens in Burma. No, but I'm, I'm saying the beginnings of it. The beginnings of it. Right. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, I, agree with, I agree with you. Zuckerberg turned yeah. it off. Like all the companies fell in line the right way, but it took literally the entirety of Silicon Valley turning off the president's account to make it stop. That's how insanely difficult it can be to dismantle once that machine starts going. Yeah. And it also took for it to happen in America. Yes. Yes. Which, exactly. I, which I think is a thing like... You know, you, also, you, we're not even talking about the fact that the pandemic absolutely cut down the amount of people that showed up at the Capitol. Yes, almost definitely. I, I mean, mean, there's there's an awful lot of overlap between the people who would show up at the Capitol and the people who believe that it's a hoax. So True. But, I mean, still, like, the pandemic has not made p- 
public mobilization easy and you know I can only think about how much crazier it would have been in a in a normal year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think that it would have been it would have been worse without it. But equally, you know, there's a, a reasonable argument that Trump wouldn't have lost without it. Boy, <laughs> I'm not. Gonna, right, I, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not getting into that. But let's do a fourth episode of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I think the idea of of you know Hamilton's algorithm won, but only just because uh, at the very last minute Zuckerberg. Said, ah, oh, fine, okay. It's definitely a, a takeaway from 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 this period. I think so. I mean, obviously, the the biggest question right now is what happens to QAnon. So let's talk about QAnon. Have you been watching the forums today? I have been on the Donald. I have been on 8kun. I have peered into the Telegram networks. I I have a kind of a radical I like thought. Okay. And if it's true, like I will enter a depression unlike one I've ever been in before possibly, which is that QAnon might just completely dissolve. And if it does, and it's just that simple, like I don't think I'll ever recover my faith in like other people. If it just if all it <laughs> took was Trump not winning and trump not having access to social media or the media and it just falls apart like i'll lose my mind but i think that might happen it's really hard to look at it now and not think that it's gonna dissolve and i think i think part of this is that we aren't necessarily looking at this in the right way in terms of it is not a single movement with uh one million people who all believe in the exact same thing it is an incredibly diverse and weird movement made up an awful lot of people like you have three percenters in there you have militias in there you have white supremacists in there and many of them go have are like much older than this and their central beliefs aren't going to go anywhere uh i think that there's then over the top of that this very strange kind of what we think of as the main q conspiracy the you know satanic pedophiles falsehoods that i think is probably going to dissolve because i think it's clear that it's not happening um but i think that those groups have probably built those ties between them uh that mean the idea of you know like like we can the capital was essentially a recap of unite the right uh from 2017 it was the same groups it was the same people coming from lots of different directions with lots of different thoughts about it a bunch of grifters in there stir- stirring up a bunch of yeah people trying to film whatever they're doing because I, I still can't figure this out because they apparently just desperately want to be caught in <laughs> yeah to be charged with a felony i i don't i mean but i also so we talked we did a we did a big q on episode a couple months ago and like our our main sort of prediction was that QAnon would become the next scientology and there would be q churches on every street corner i think um, that was wrong well i think i think it was based on a misunderstanding of the structure of q which is that like we also didn't predict that the Q drops would stop. So, so uh, if if That's you're listening and you, and you don't really know like the whole ins and outs of QAnon, uh, it started based on what were called Q drops. So the 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 Q character, who was probably the owner of Eight Coon, Ron Watkins, would post like cryptic messages, and those would come out. Then those would be interpreted by like a bunch of like shamans, and then turned into like action items. That stopped. And he did a goodbye post today. Yeah, he's done. I mean, well, as he, done as he basically he, he basically is. did a cue uh, as the friends we made along the way post. Yeah, I saw that. It was which was great. Uh, okay, sure. In a way. Um. Anyways, I mean, but 
but I, I guess we, what what we what I didn't really understand maybe properly is is how nor like normy Q is and I and and so if if its users were a little more online I think they could have been able to restructure themselves in a way that wouldn't fail and they could keep changing but it they they recruited so many Facebook normies that none of them have any ability to keep it going because there's no Q drops there's no Trump tweets. Trump is no longer really in front of cameras, so he can't even really like. I saw them be like, "Oh, there were seventeen flags on Trump's yeah. dais, and that's the seventeenth letter of the alphabet is Q." And it's like, oh, also the the the, the flags had gold edging on. Was a whole thing. Oh. Because the gold so, edging means that it's like a military thing, and it's a symbol that's going to be a military coup. Right. So I mean, ultimately, I think Q Trump, of course, being the president who is the commander in chief of the entire military, so there'll be no other reason for him to have gold fucking edging on his flags also the man is like a gold toilet i'm pretty sure like i think you'd be gold regardless <laughs> i mean but i think if the QAnon movement is literally falling apart right now it's probably because it's too many normies who have no idea how to build an internet movement like they've just been following random like inputs f- yeah. for four years and now they're just there's nothing else there's nothing left yeah there was a really good new york times piece on someone who was a basically a jill stein green voter who was oh, uh, yeah. the meme queen which is exactly it was what I thought. I thought a very similar thing to what you had there when I read that, which was like, she's like, oh, I don't make memes, but I share a really good meme. And it was like, right. oh, God. Basically, the entire of Q is that one meme from like 2014 where someone had a jug of water with like different levels of how much water they drank that day. Uh, and then someone responded with, nice share, Jill. <laughs> no, I think that, I think. I think that is exactly correct where, you know, it, the 4chan kids that, like, tried to get Trump elected, they were making content. They were making, like, incredible yeah. amounts of content. The QAnon people have no ability to make content. Like, they're not they're not sophisticated enough. Like, they think that, like, Instagram memes just come out of the ether. Like, they don't, they don't understand any of it and because they're all, like, chiropractors from Arizona. So, like, yes. they don't have... Exactly. They're all- chiropractors and they're, they're taking private jets to the capital to like have a riot and it's like what are you? <sighs> yeah but i do i do think there's probably an undercurrent of ties that have been drawn like if i was thinking about this historically from a decade in a decade's time and being like wow i can't believe we didn't see this white supremacist revolution coming i think the the thing that i would be looking at right now is that many of these groups have made links and while they've kind of sloughed off the the normies and the casuals uh, who are there to share a good meme uh i think there's an awful lot of links that have made that won't be severed very easily i think so too and we also i mean if we're gonna line ourselves up with like nazi germany which i think a lot of people on twitter like to do we we haven't left that road like fascism previously goes through its occultist phase it goes through its street gang phase it goes through its attempted failed coup phase like we're not really out of the red zone like the the doomsday clock is still pretty close to midnight here i mean and and QAnon might completely vanish but those people all like we haven't even thought about the fact that like a bunch of extremely normie q people are about to go to jail and like come out much more hardened than they went in. Like, American History Q is, like, very possible for some of these people. I mean, that is a great mi- name for a movie that we should we should absolutely follow up on at another time. But... I, yeah, I mean... Um, but it, we don't know... I mean, Q- QAnon 
could be looked at in as history as a historical footnote that accidentally created a massive launch pad for some pretty hardcore fascism in America. Like we don't really know where it's going. I and mean, you also have to think think about this from the perspective that is many of the most fervent supporters of Q were actually just fervent supporters of Donald Trump. Like right. they cared about Donald Trump. They cared about the idea that there was an avatar for their white identity, for their uh supremacist entity for a thing that they had always felt but had never been able to express that's super important and i think that the fact that those people are now worth then following him is arguably more important because genuinely if you can look at this if he starts a patriot party as he's threatening to do or oh, right, yeah. don jr does or eric trump jr does an awful lot of the people who were queuing on people for the um there's i think there was a lot of potentially an awful lot of people there who are like i don't know exactly what about QAnon is true i know but i don't trust hillary i think she's up to bad stuff i think biden's up to bad stuff i think obama's up to bad stuff maybe it's a satanic pedophile thing maybe they're just corrupt i don't know it's somewhere between those two i think there's an awful lot of people who are probably in that space and therefore i think that there's the potential for you know some party like this to start up and get 10 percent of the vote and i that's maybe bad. Maybe they it's ten percent, then fifteen percent, and then we go on right. the, the Nazi Germany train. Or maybe it is the um, George Wallace effect, and it just flips an election to the exact person they just don't want by a huge margin, and uh, it rewrites American history. Could go both either way. I think it could. I mean, the idea of Trump starting a political party, I think, is stupid. I mean, let's be real; it's going to be a media company, even if it's technically a political party it's going to be a media company like the patriot party is going to be a he's grift, also, is what it's going to be it's a, of course <laughs> it's going to be a grift and he's also not somebody people keep saying like oh oan is going to become trump tv or newsmax is going to become trump tv and it's like trump is too much of an egotist to team up with an existing structure like he's much more interested in building his own broken version and he he's also not a loser, like, or he doesn't want to be a loser, right? So, yeah, yeah. like, he looked at his own. Did you? I don't know if you saw this quote, but apparently, he looked at his own supporters storming the Capitol building and was repulsed by how ugly and grotesque they were. I mean, and that's just something in a nutshell. Yeah, he hates his own supporters because he secretly kind of hates himself. Yeah, and also like he doesn't want to be a loser. It's the same. Like he'll be on The Apprentice because he gets to like LARP as a famous business owner on a major network, he's not going to be stuck on OAN streaming to nobody. Like he's, he's completely obsessed with looking like he's in charge and he's winning and he is smart enough. He might be an Adderall like ridden lunatic who maybe has dementia, but he is smart enough and coherent enough to go like OAN looks like garbage and isn't a real TV station. And I will not be caught dead on this. Like he's not going to do it. And he's also not going to go to Fox because he doesn't want to, like, have to ever admit, you know, that there was bad blood there. And also Murdoch would be more powerful than him. And he can't have that either. Yeah. Um, this, this is kind of where you get into it. And it becomes very uh, – it gets really it gets really strange. And you can't – I can't see what's going to happen with Trump next. But I can see that something I, – I do think something will come of this Q, of, of, of QAnon. But it won't be – I don't know, it won't be the existing form of Q. It can't be. I think I think the entire thing is breaking down faster than I expected in a way that like is 
I guess it, I mean, like, where do you go with it? You, there is nothing to cue. Those people will eat, like, some of them will become radicalized into hardcore neo-Nazis and accelerationists. Yep. A bunch of them are just going to pretend like it never happened. And they're just going to, like, go back to their jobs at, like, office, the real estate Max. agency or <laughs> Office Max or... I feel like a lot of them are veterinarians. Like, I feel like that's like a thing. Like, there's just like, there's this tier of person in American society that is like incredibly susceptible to QAnon. And yep. it's all just like small business owner who doesn't directly make products. Like, that sounds, yeah, the, that sounds about right. A state agent is, is very high on the list of people who don't make anything, but I've just, yeah, like, money a, to get really stupid with it. Yeah. Real estate agents, yoga teachers, fitness instructors chiropractors uh i feel like a lot of makeup artists and like hairdressers or people who own beauty salons i mean they skew young though so they skew gen z so that the gen z i think has sort of escaped it but no, i think I, that's I true agree. I, I still think that one thing we never reckoned with is that like QAnon is an overwhelmingly gen x problem yes it is oh man it so is and this is like one of the things where everyone talks about like oh boomers are bad and uh sure they are for but mainly for for tedious reasons involving the accumulation of wealth in property uh but and millennials are obviously bad for for many reasons mainly the fact that they they think mainly the fact that they think they're not bad um but no the qanon is almost definitely a gen x problem there were an awful lot of gen x's at those storming the capital but you know then there was a uh, there was a gold medal winning olympic swimmer there and baked alaska and everyone was there it was oh man looking through those things and just being like oh interesting interesting it yeah i okay i'm glad you brought that up because there was this overwhelming feeling i had watching the live streams watching the mugshots afterwards looking through all the posts sort of like getting a really good feel for the kind of people that stormed the capitol and the best way i can describe it is like the people who are caught in the wave of like cultural wreckage of the of like late stage capitalism. So like failed influencers, like washed up athletes, the my pillow guy, real estate agents, like people who and, and I think there's like I th- I think there's this I okay. I'm trying not I want I, I wanna like be very specific about this. So when I first went back to my small town during the pandemic, I realized that the pandemic had essentially eliminated all aspects of suburban life. Like you can't go out to eat. You can't go to the movies. You can't go to the mall. Yeah. That sounds right. You can't do it. You can't do any of the things that are easier to do in the suburbs. So you can't go shopping. You can't, there's no other way to see people because there is no communal aspects of living in the suburbs without uh, an Applebee's or a local Buffalo Wild Wings or a movie theater or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think the people who radicalized into QAnon during the pandemic did so because suddenly any ability to see other people or any meaning in their lives or any sort of like distraction of the meaninglessness of their lives was gone. And they're just like, oh shit, like I have a void inside of me. I need to fill it with as much Facebook nonsense as possible. Oh, so this is one of my like unifying theories of radicalization, which I think has not been covered enough, which is that a combination of uh, gig economies and or, or a massive rise in gig economy jobs in the expansion of the workday, which I think is a really bad one, and 
I don't know what the best way to describe it, but but a broadly, yeah, a more transient workforce, which has been caused by employers, means that people have a lot more time. So a universal thing or, or almost universal thing among people who've been radicalized is people who have found themselves with extensive free time where they can't work or socialize or uh, do anything else. Like it's people <laughs> who have found... So, cause, okay, so 10 years ago, uh, I'll use UK references this for obvious reasons, but 10 years ago... Oh, uh, been, uh, for, for listeners, uh, British content warning. This is a, the next chunk will be a little British, I'm sorry. Right, so if you were unemployed, if you were a student, if you had extensive amounts of time free in the middle of the day and no one, no one was around you because they were actually doing their jobs, you would be like oh, I'm going to watch Homes Under the Hammer or Come Dine With Me or any one of like an innumerable load of shows that are just daytime shows that are just like fine. They're there, they're wallpaper. Now right. you probably spend that time on YouTube and that inevitably radicalizes you. But it is both gives you the conditions and the mechanics of radicalizing you because you have nothing else to do. If like, And again, you look at all of these things and it's someone who's had a serious knee injury and spent six months in bed because they can't walk properly and they're, they're doing rehab. Right. But, you know, their partner actually that, to work. that happened to my dad. He right. never cared about politics. Really. He was like a small business Reaganite, whatever. Yeah. And then he slipped on some black ice during the winter before the summer primaries of the 2016 election and was out of commission for like nine weeks and all he would do was watch MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News and was radicalized by Fox News because of how different it was from the other two, which made him paranoid that the other two were on, like, the take but from Obama. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened. It was too much free time. Yeah. And there are other – you know, there's lots of people – and you go through all of these things. Um, one of my reporters, uh, my actual job, uh, did a very good piece a few months ago about uh, someone who was radicalized to the point of, like – genuine violence gun stockpiling and this is in the uk where it's hard to stockpile guns yeah uh and the like primary muskets probably or like a sword i guess yeah yeah exactly it was just like a one like a shotgun that you choose to shoot pheasants with <laughs> <laughs> no it wasn't it was actual guns but but they were they were stockpiling guns and the, the the proximal cause of it was that they had uh lost their job and they were unemployed for a period and it's right. this like absolutely insane thing that means that yeah, a few years ago, you were watching Homes on the Hammer. But equally, the fact that you're out of commission, the fact that you're annoyed, the fact that you know you're often you are a low income because you lost your job or whatever it might be, means you become radicalized because you're much angry about it. You're angry about your situation. And then YouTube goes right. like, hey, here's content. You like the things that make you angry? Cool, here's more, here's more, here's more. And before you know it, you're storming the capital, which is exactly what happened to that Olympic swimmer because he was homeless and living in his car. Just watching YouTube on his phone. Watching YouTube on his phone. And then eventually he storms the Capitol. And like the guy swam with Michael Phelps. Like, it's insane that that guy stormed the Capitol. It's also so, insane that his name is insane. Wait, what is his name? Uh, his name is... Uh, <laughs> hang on. I don't think I actually know it. You do know it. Uh, his name is Cleet. Oh, Cleet. Is it pronounced Cleet or Cletty? I or don't know. It's Cleet Keller. I mean, which... good Cleet Keller sounds like a good name. That's a good name. That's yeah. like a very... So, okay, I have I have been undergoing like a year and a half long project to make the internet more fun for myself because <laughs> I was getting like the same kind of like insane stress headaches from Twitter, like staring at Twitter too long. And I was like, I can't live like this anymore. Sure. And um, 
I've done a lot of things like invest in an RSS reader and start using Tumblr again. And I've documented the journey like in all kinds of different places. But the overwhelming best thing I can suggest to defend yourself against information terrorism and like the the, the radicalizing effects of the Internet is arm yourself with a hobby or two. Truly. (laughs) I'm so glad. I'm so glad you said with a hobby or two there. (laughs) <laughs> just to arm, arm yourself, yourself with a hobby <laughs> to take a, take up arms with a hobby um no but it truly so the internet the machinery of the internet always invites you to spend more time and to keep searching and to keep digging and to go further yep. and further and the problem is that eventually you run out of material and you find like the sides of the internet that are just perverts and fascists trying to recruit you to whatever they they want so you end up with like an inflation fetish and you believe that lizard people control the world's banks right yeah unless you have a hobby if you have a hobby you can keep digging deeper and deeper into it and the machinery won't start spitting out random nonsense at you so like and you don't have to keep the same hobbies like but i think if you want to hang out on youtube and you want to spend time on reddit and you want to like not go insane especially in the pandemic it's just like Get like a very basic thing you're interested in. Even if it's like reading about history, you're like, I'm currently on an anthropology kick. So I've been like hanging out on anthropological like um, subreddits or or I got really into how to build a tiny home inside of a car. I don't have a car, but like I like looking at it and like learning about it or like producing electronic music or whatever. But it's it sounds so stupid. But if you have a hobby or two, the Internet won't start feeding you the dark stuff because there's probably a lot to look also if it does then you will be less likely to respond to it that's actually true i i did come across like a couple produce like electronic music producers who were clearly trying to red pill me and i was really bored because i was trying to learn how compressors worked and i was like i don't have time to like (laughs) do this i'm trying to figure out how to compress the podcast that i produce uh please stop telling me about like you know the sovereign power of the white race (laughs) i need to learn how (laughs) i need to learn how thresholds work god damn it um so what you do is you put them at the borders and then (laughs) (laughs) yeah a compressor is actually just a border wall for audio that actually is kind of true but um that's beside the point i feel like we're gonna make ourselves every time we do this on every episode we always end up being wrong which is fine whatever but like where do we go from here now like all right so what do we want? Do we want some predictions? Is that what we should, we'll say? I think we should do some predictions. So far, every time we've done predictions on the show, we've ju- we've been just right enough that we can claim that we're smart, but we're usually pretty wrong. So what do you, what do you think? All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to start with, okay, I'm going to do this in the super forecaster style where you have to put a percentage number on like how confident you are in it. Okay. Yeah, I can and do I'm that gonna do. I'm going to do Trump will escape impeachment, but I'm only going to put a 60% on it because- Okay. I've done the I did the nose counting today and I think it's like it's tight. Like I think that there are probably five or six Republican votes ready for him. And I think there are probably fifteen to twenty who would be willing to go. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's people like I don't know, Chuck Grassley, like super like institutionalist. I would rather have sort the institutions out. Let's impeach him so he can't run again. We save the party, yada yada yada. Um and I also think that, you know, there's an awful lot of people on the very far right of the party like ted cruz ted cruz wants to do the trump thing in 2024 right. but he would rather do it without trump there 
So it's also, it's like, there's not a half of the party who is genuinely ideologically opposed to it. There's a half of the party who's like, ugh, we'd rather not go through this again. And a half of the party who's like, if he's not there, I can be him. Right. So I think there's an awful lot of political, like, balance for the idea. And I think there's an awful lot of, when you kind of run through it, like, looking at, uh, who's a good example? Uh, John Cornyn. John Cornyn in Texas, who kind of got a bit pretty Trumpy, but he won his um, primary by, like, I don't know, 80%. He won, I think, 80% of the vote on his primary, but he won like 55% of his uh, actual Senate seat vote. Right. So if you're that guy, I'm much more worried at the Democrats catching me up than I am about the Trumpists catching me up. Right. Okay, I, can lose, yeah. I can lose 35% of my de- my primary vote, and I can't lose much of my, my actual election vote. Right. So, so I think that there's an awful lot of people in kind of that space. So that's why I'm kind of like, I do think that ultimately he will escape impeachment because ultimately Republicans are cowards. That's what we've yeah. learned. That's a big learning I mean, yes. from the, the last four years. Yeah. But I think that it is significantly more likely than most people put out, hmm. put on it. Okay. My big one is technologically based. Okay. And I'm going to put, I'm going to put myself at like a 75% confident. That over the next two years, instead of being properly regulated, Facebook, YouTube, and especially Twitter are going to start finding ways to offload moderation to users. So Facebook groups. But to keep going with it. So right. so Jack Dorsey, after banning Trump, basically announced that for the last year, Twitter has been researching how to build its own version of Mastodon, which is a federated version of twitter yeah the way it works is you run your own version of twitter you can invite anyone you want and then if you want you can connect your version of twitter to someone else's version of twitter this is actually already how a lot of user behavior works on twitter that's how you get like standom twitter accident like k-pop twitter accidentally goes viral inside of politics twitter yeah like those connections are happening at random that's how bean dad happened is a connection was made that shouldn't have been made and then it became the biggest story in the world i think jack dorsey knows that it's in his best interest to stop those random connections from happening because they always cause violence. Yeah. I think Mark Zuckerberg understands that he can't have that happen anymore because it causes literal violence. And okay. I think YouTube, I mean, they don't give a shit, but like, let's say that they're going to do it too. <laughs> I think over the next two years, they're going to, they're going to try to do, they're, they're basically going to try to kill the public feed. I think, I think that is what's, next now is i don't think a proprietary platform will have the same kind of global feed that we've had forever anymore i think it's going to start disappearing pretty fast and i think it'll come in different forms maybe it'll be replaced with a messenger or maybe um you know the news feed might just like shrink and shrink and shrink until it's gone I, i don't know how it'll manifest but i think i think the public feed is over Okay, I'll take that. Uh, I will follow that with, I think that social media companies will enter into voluntary regulation before they enter into mandatory re- regulation. Like the like the MPAA in America, like self-regulating the film industry? Yeah. Exactly. It will do very little, but they will. I think it will enter to it, and I'll put probably an 85% chance on that in the next four years, that there's some yeah. voluntary regulation on it, that they've entered into some sort of like a central agreement that does minimal amounts to do anything uh and no real regulations are passed on them yeah i would agree with that 
Um, I'll do one more. Uh, so we both have two here. I'm like a 60% on this, but I sort of think it's China time now. <sighs> yeah. Um, I sort I mean, of think that's the thing now. We, we keep, we, we always do this thing where it's kind of like, you you know that cartoon of the waves coming over and then the first one's like Trump and then the wave after that is the pandemic and the wave after that is climate change. The actual wave after that is China. And I think that we are very, we are in a very bad spot in that China, everyone owes China a huge amount of money and now China is doing genocides. And we're now calling them genocides. And yes. now they have banned- Which we've known for a while, to be clear. Of course. We've known of course. for a while, we didn't call it that. I mean, literally today, China banned, like, what, 28 members of the Trump administration from ever setting foot in the country again and has put, like, sanctions on them personally. So, like, Mike Pompeo can never go back to China, which I'm sure he's psyched about. But, Mm. I mean, things have deteriorated in a way. We're also now, like, China has figured out that it might not be able to make cool movies, but it can absolutely export good apps. And I think think it's going to – it's on its way. Like, And I think it's going to get really, really weird really fast. Yeah. And we're not totally going to be able to deal with it, and it's going to have a particularly strange manifestation on online. I want to talk about this, like hopefully next week. But did you see the thing about the British YouTubers that are making Chinese propaganda? Yes, I definitely want to talk. That's that's next week's. Okay, let's do it because I'm obsessed with this story. It's yep. wild. Um, okay, all right. Well, uh, I feel pretty hopeful, um, but also terrified as always. Um, it is kind of reassuring that, like, from content, Trump rose, and now back to content. Trump sings. <laughs> yeah, that was some good memes today. Yeah, I mean, sitting Bernie was nice. I like I like that one. That was pretty good. Yeah. Man, I had good Bernie mittens. Sanders meme. Like, yeah. He did have good mittens. They were recycled mittens from like a random woman in Vermont, which I read. Yeah. Speaking of content. Luke. Have you consumed any content this week to stay sane? Um, uh, give me a second. <laughs> I totally forgot about this. Uh, I, assume, <laughs> I assume we can do one division in like six weeks, right? Uh, I mean, we we got we got we, to wait for it. What, what, out, right? I, no, wait. Let's 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 chat. Let's chat the first two. Okay. What did you think about one division? Okay. Uh, I th- I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was interesting. It was not a thing that I've seen before. Uh, and purely from that perspective, I was like cool i want to watch more of this i don't understand this uh but it's fun i agree with you there's a scene in both episodes that is deeply deeply uh, upsetting like the the save him choking scene in the first episode is really weird and dark and then the second episode the entire talent show thing just made me so uncomfortable yep the camera shots it was so strange everything was weird about it but i also found the moment when like in the first episode where they cut through and she's like i felt very tense about her making like a lobster thermidor yes which was like very strange because i'm like that that's they're fine <laughs> they're incredibly powerful superheroes but there's something like there's something very off kilter and strange about the whole show in that it is technically a perfectly written 22 minute sitcom with like really dark edges but it's doing all of the requirements, like down to like the lobster punchline on the door as the door knocker, yeah. like the repeating jokes. It is a perfectly written 22 minute classic sitcom. And then there's just this darkness to it that is just like awful. 
Yeah, it's like it's like it's like they they, they had the thing that they, they had the entire two twenty minute sitcom, and then like every like eighth page was just a fully black page. Yes, write text, and it was like, oh, this is the dark page. Yeah, and like, and and then sometimes they'll even do like Tim and Eric style camera close ups of like the people who are obviously being held hostage inside of Wanda's like you know yeah. other realm or whatever. Although I will say, so I watched the first two episodes with my girlfriend, who's never watched any marvel <laughs> and it was very funny to be she, so she kept being like so like as the show bewitched like is are we just watching bewitched and i was like no no it's like they're superheroes and she's like well why are they super-? i was like no like the robot man died in infinity war and she's like but he's here and i was like i know it's like it's I, very I, conf- I, I really enjoy that because to understand that show you need to go back you need to basically start in like 2008 yeah like like there's so just to have a basic understanding of the show the first two episodes like there's no there's nothing there's no explanation for what's going on no um so to be like oh yeah that's a robot that used to be like an alexa in robert downey jr's house and then he briefly fell in love with that woman who used to be eastern european but they kind of dropped her accent pretty quick and she's magic and then she died. But she's not a Bolshevik. Right. And then she died, but then she came back, and then he died. And I don't know why the show is in black and white or a sitcom. Um, I mean, I, I kind of have an idea of what's going on. But, like, yeah. yeah, it's a very complicated show to jump in on. I don't recommend it if you haven't seen any of Marvel. <laughs> it's kind of gibberish, but. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, I recommend everyone listening to this go to Netflix and watch Bling Empire. It is a absolutely psychotic reality show. Highly recommend it. There's a character on there who used to play a Power Ranger, and he is the most dangerous, insane man I have ever seen on a TV show. Um, it's great. Uh, Bling Empire. I'm about halfway through it. Incredible, incredible reality TV. Uh, if you don't like WandaVision, it's it's just okay. as good. That's your, the content you consume to stay sane? Bling Empire, baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm all okay. in. It's great. Um, but I think it's time that we walk over to our other podcast, Post post credit scene. And talk about the worst thing that's happened in Washington, D.C. for years. Yes, to talk about the true tragedy in our nation's capital, which is Wonder Woman 1984. So if you're just joining the show, we do a second podcast uh, every other week for Patreon patrons called Post Post Credit Scene, where we make our way through different cinematic universes and talk about them. We are currently finishing up the DC Entertainment Universe with Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, you can check it out on patreon.com slash the content minds. Um, wow. That movie was dog shit and I cannot wait to talk about it. Let's do this. Let's All do right. this. Right, I'm walking over. Okay. Bye-bye. I'm going to walk over. All right. Bye-bye.